you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everyone to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast, the second one this week. I just did a episode on Wednesday talking to the owner of Riptide Wrestling, Josh Bevan, about the upcoming tournament, and we have another guest this week for our actual Top 5 episode. And joining us this week, we have Jim Lee from Attack. Hello Jim, how are you? Hi there, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Oh yeah, we got Jesse as well. Yeah, right. Come on. I mean, I'm the host. I mean, it's great that Jim's here, but I think I need a sort of introduction first. Sorry, but, um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jesse Patrick Benz. Yeah, thank you very much. And this is my second um, you know, one man wanking in the darkness. There. Um, <laughs> this is um, the second interview that I've been a part of. And Jim, this you've made history because technically. We met at 2000 Trees, and technically, I booked you for this. You're the first person that I've booked for this show. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, I I feel honoured, I suppose. Uh, I was no, so but... shocked. When... It's great. I'm not. I am not an organised man. I don't do admin-y stuff. Like Max is always doing that. So I'm very proud of myself. I actually approached you. And, it was such um, a like. It was such a coincidence, right? Like we were walking round the festival site, and I was the whole week. This was. I guess for anyone listening, 2000 Trees Festival, really cool, smallish music festival just outside Cheltenham. And I was walking around the whole weekend going, oh, look at that cool wrestling T-shirt. Look at that cool wrestling T-shirt. <laughs> and there were just Brit Rest T-shirts everywhere. And it was great. And then uh, Jesse was walking in front of us at one point in time in like a Defend T-shirt or something. It was a Defend vest or something. You were I forget. I, I think so, I yeah. Like uh, um, and one of the lads that we were with was like, oh, here's another one. And we just got chatting. And it turns out that, uh, yeah, you, you run the Got to Five podcast. That's there you go. You I hear that, Max? Here, I run it. <laughs> Don't feed his ego, Jim. It's bad enough as it is. <laughs> so how did you enjoy Trees, Jim? Did you have a good time? I had a wonderful time. I felt thoroughly exhausted afterwards because the weird thing about 2000 Trees Festival this year was that there was an attack show uh, just in Cheltenham, so not far from the festival site, on the Friday evening. So the festival's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we went to the festival on Thursday, got a bit beard up, slept in a tent. I woke up, did half a day at the festival, then hopped in a cab to go and ring announce the attack show at the Frog and Fiddle in Cheltenham. They got a cab back to the festival for the other two days. So it was manic, uh, but it was a, a super, super good time. I had a really good one. You? Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, I loved it. Um, same as you without the um, attack show, really. Um, but um, I spent more time in the forest than anywhere else. Man. like um, in uh, 2000 trees there's a forest where all this acoustic stuff happens and you could just chill out there it was shady there's a bar there it was just nice to just lie down for a bit and just listen to chilled out music which i think might be a sign of my age and they had they had two members of hundred reasons playing an entire set i don't know if you went to that one jesse of hundred reasons covers in a bloody forest in a field in the arse end of nowhere and it was just the best it was so so good so, uh, I, yeah, I heard about that, but I missed it. But yeah, that sounded quality. A friend of mine made that bit. Um, but anyway, um, Attack Pro Wrestling. Um, for anyone, we we make this mistake sometimes, so I'm not going to make it this time. We have a few listeners like overseas in America and all sorts of weird countries, don't we, Max? We get the odd listener got from Russia, really weird places. We got Africa. Yeah, very strange. So if there's people out there who don't know what Attack Pro Wrestling is, how would you describe it to them? 
Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's all sorts of people all over the world, including in the UK, who don't know what attack pro wrestling is. <laughs> um, I think very simply, attack pro wrestling is an independent British wrestling promotion uh, running shows primarily in the West Country and South Wales. Um, the I guess the, the mantra of Attack Pro Wrestling or the, the Attack Pro Wrestling brand is that it's the weird and wonderful world of Attack Pro Wrestling. So it's pro wrestling, which uh, is meant to be uh, fun and often irreverent and often a bit silly, uh, but always with very high quality uh, kind of hard hitting independent wrestling that you'd expect to see in any of the top promotions in Britain or around the world. Um, I, I mean, you come to watch the shows, Jesse. So, uh, is your does your perspective differ from the way that I see them from from my announcing spots? Uh, no, I think I think you've got it. Um, you've got it pretty spot Nailed on. It, yeah. Um, it, yeah, that's what it, I mean. It's do you know um, DDT, the Japanese promotion? Yes. I I kind of view it as the UK version of that, if that's fair to say. Like it's sort of it's got the comedy and it's got the silliness, but that combined with top top world-class wrestling as well you know yeah i think that's a reasonable comparison one comparison that i made in the past uh we were lucky enough a few years ago to run a pre-show for shikara when they were doing one of their uk tours at the oh, masonic hall in cardiff so it was just a short three match show and the way that i announced it or described it to the attending shikara fans was that attack pro wrestling is kind of like a poundland version of shikara um, because, because I, I think that was it was definitely one of the inspirations when the promotion first got started i'd say but uh poundland the, or shikara i, uh, uh, I mean both okay no, cool shikara very much was but i think particularly in those early days we'd regularly have you know uh I guess what you can very loosely call sets or, or what the WWE would call titantrons, but we'd literally have them made out of cardboard and paint and other assorted uh, random materials that we'd find lying about the place. Um, <laughs> Overhead projector, basically. Uh, well, we, we can't afford one of those. That's big budget. Man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so how does it work for you now that you're in London and attack predominantly does west coast is that like a bitch of a travel for you or do you just kind of make it work uh no it's it's not too bad because there's a little group of us that always come from london so i guess for for some context because i'm sure there are loads of people listening who you know if they even if they know who have heard of attack pro wrestling they probably don't have a clue who jim lee is and why bloody would they um <laughs> so i even though i was involved in starting attack pro wrestling many years ago we started running it in 2011 when i was living in the west midlands and we ran our we ran our first shows in birmingham uh, but then when i got like my first like proper serious real life job in 2012 i stopped being involved in any of the promotion or organizational side of things and since then all i've done is the ring announcing so it's, there's not kind of a lot of heavy lifting or, or thought involved on my part. I can literally have our car, which picks us up. Chuck Mambo does the driving quite often from, for the London contingent nowadays, or Ollie Sandler, who's one of the photographers. And so I'll often get a car pop up at my front door here in southeast London and whisk me off to Cheltenham or to Cardiff or wherever the show is before dropping me back again half asleep in the evening. So it's uh, it's relatively straightforward to be honest with you nowadays 
Amazing. And you get to put get your beer on that way as well. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's right. that's so, so, um, so you were one of the founding members of Attack. How did it all come about back in 2011? Uh, it was, to be honest, it was kind of a bit of a reaction to what the British wrestling scene was like in 2011. Uh, were, were either of, of you chaps uh, uh, ever going out to watch British wrestling back in, in those heady days? We, yeah, it was tragic. Yeah, we didn't watch much. I think you and me went to a show, where was it, like Chooksbury Week We went pieces? to a couple. It was all very, uh, my impression of it back then anyway, it was all very family friendly um, and a bit amateur feeling. And there was even, um, you'd go to some shows and there'd be like WWE tribute acts almost. Yeah. Like you'd uh, get a guy dressed as Kane or something and kids would just buy into the fact that it was Kane. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember being at shows where you'd be in a community centre and there'd be 12 people in attendance. And for that, uh, for people who were trying to break through into wrestling, being a really not uncommon kind of occurrence. And really, there was no uh, there was no real pathway for wrestlers to uh, develop or to gain exposure or to take the next step in the same way that there that there is today. So I came into wrestling with these really, really bizarre delusions that uh, I was going to be a professional wrestler, which is I know utterly ridiculous. Um, and I, I was training at this little wrestling school in Coventry, who would occasionally, very occasionally, put on shows to, like I say, tens of people in a. a working men's club or a community center and we'd get in a car together like uh, the the owner of our training school and a bunch of the trainees and they'd have links with another promotion in kent so we'd get in a car from coventry to kent and drive for four or five hours to wrestle in front of 30 people in a community center there again and there was kind of nothing really in between that and what were perceived at the time as i guess the top wrestling promotions in the country who at the time probably would have been your uh, i guess ipw were putting on some pretty cool stuff around that time i remember when i first started at uni they had a show which was main evented by pack v daniel bryan and stuff like that so they were doing oh, some cool. really cool stuff back then um i guess for the like the online fans triple x wrestling in coventry was kind of a big deal as well but there was really a, a bit of a dearth of uh of places that you could go uh to uh to, to wrestle in front of a decent crowd, particularly when you were first starting out, or to be able to uh, wrestle the kind of style of wrestling that me and my friends were interested in. Uh, as, as you alluded to, uh, everything was super family-friendly. Um, and, you know, attack is generally and oftentimes fam family-friendly as well. But when I say family-friendly in terms of wrestling, I mean very much, uh, you know, boo-yay and... Um, and just very, very, very basic in its form of entertainment. Not the kind of wrestling which the British independent scene is so well known for today. I yeah, I suppose you're right. And um, uh, by the way, you put yourself down as a wrestler because I've seen you take some good bumps in the past in <laughs> um, a few shows. But um, uh, but you're right. But I mean, Attack has grown now. Like um, I, I assume it's the same all over it. Frog and Fiddle sells out um, the, the venue you do in Cheltenham. Um, you're playing it at least once a month at the moment i think and you're selling it out in less than 15 minutes when tickets go on sale it feels like yeah i i think that is 
that just speaks to the extent to which British wrestling has changed in the last decade or so, right? Because we've gone from a time where people who were breaking in, first off, uh, good wrestling schools are in real tough supply. The, the wrestling school that I went to and that Pete Dunn went to in Coventry was, um, without wanting to put them down too much, it was it taught you the the basics and it didn't teach you a great deal more. So you were you were hard. You, it was a little tough to find the right place to start out in the first place, and then to have any sort of pathway to go and put on the kind of performance that we wanted to be putting on, or to perform in front of the sorts of crowds that we wanted to perform in front of and owing to the whole nature of the british wrestling scene at the time it, it kind of reached a point where me and pete and our friends um were like well why don't we just do something ourselves then uh if this platform that we need uh doesn't exist anywhere why don't we go and do it ourselves um yeah so that's that's how attack pro wrestling started we uh, went round, you know, Birmingham. So I, I was born and raised in Coventry and I went to London for a time at university, but then came back to Coventry and Pete was from Birmingham. So that was how we knew one another from the same wrestling school, same part of the country. So we went around Birmingham scouring for appropriately sized community centres. And they were just community centres at that point in time. that We could put on a weekend of shows uh, and we, you know, we just booked the venues, put the rings in there. And that was the idea that we could put on these fun wrestling shows with i think the way we marketed them at the time was that it was um kind of uh high flying hard hitting junior heavyweight action which at that time we thought was a real like differentiating factor compared to the rest of the wrestling that was that was predominantly in existence in the country at the time mm. um, and uh, that was how the whole company came about um if i'm honest with you i don't know how well we fulfilled that mo in the early days um because I think it probably still was. We still predominantly were just, you know, a bunch of skinny lads in community centres wrestling in front of children. Uh, but <laughs> that was the, but that was the um, the thought behind it anyway. Um, and it certainly grew and developed along with the British wrestling scene as a whole over time. Because we weren't the only people who were thinking about that and doing that. Because progress started at an almost identical time. Who of course wanted to put on strong star wrestling in central London, uh, something which just was not happening at the time. And Fight Club Pro was starting at a similar time as well in uh, under pretty similar circumstances from what I can gather from hearing the Fight Club Pro guys chat, right? In terms of mm. a group of mates wanting to put on something of their own, which they which didn't exist anywhere else. And so I think that all of these companies and all these people having the similar idea at a similar time has kind of contributed to, amongst other things, the, the British wrestling scene becoming what it is today. Amazing. Well, from my point of view, that attack is... Um my sort of wrestling highlight every time I manage to get a ticket, which is getting them harder and harder, actually. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I think it's, it's grown tremendously, even from... Well, like, I, don't, I don't know if it's fair to say it's grown from even the first time you did The Frog till now, but it sort of feels like um, it was amazing back then, but it's just it just keeps getting better and better. Do you know what I mean? And... Um, uh, oh, from a personal point of view, I just I did mention this um, at Trees as well, but about 18 months ago as well at the show, um, you um, did a happy birthday for my mum that was in attendance. It was her 60th birthday. And I have never seen her so simultaneously happy and <laughs> embarrassed. And so like, I'd like to personally thank you for that as well, because that is something that I will never forget. It was fantastic. No worries. I don't think that the demographic of attack shows stretches to the over 60s quite often enough. I would... <laughs> 
I would bloody love to see some more over 60s in attendance at Attack Pro Wrestling. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of them that sit around the frog and fiddle, but never actually venture into our little wrestling room. Maybe they just couldn't get tickets. I don't yeah, know. We need to get them in the yeah, bar. Yeah, exactly. But, but uh, you've started but a monster. It's awesome that you brought your mum along. Anyway. I've started a monster. Yeah, Kate, like Jesse's mum, she's wanting to go to every attack show. <laughs> oh, God, she was with us at Progress fan. last, what, two weeks ago? Can't get rid of her now. Yeah, yeah, she wants to come to everything now. I think she's just hoping that someone else is going to sing happy birthday to her. She just keeps going on the off chance. Yeah, the the, the, the difficult thing about that is that it's kind of uh, a requirement for it to be your birthday for that to occur in the first place. So I need, to, I, need to ex- I need to explain <laughs> that to her. I think she I thinks she's the queen. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, but that was great. Like that look, I've never seen the look that she had in her face when you when you started that. It was great. Yeah, we um, seem to end up doing kind of birthday shout outs and. And things like that quite a lot. And, you know, why the hell not? People are there oftentimes to, you know, let loose and have a good time and oftentimes bringing people along to celebrate occasions. So let's, uh, let's all celebrate with them. You know, everyone's at attack to have a good time. Yes. So why not? That's... Yeah, definitely. Shall I um, so you're, pepper in a fan um, oh, God, question there, fan... Jesse? Yeah, go on then. Pepper a fan well, question. Uh, Ollie got a bit carried away. He's, he's, he's gone a bit... Ollie Roylance has asked some questions. He has. He's Jim. gone a bit mental. Uh, Ollie Roylance, I know Ollie Roylance. Ollie yeah, Roylance uh, is—I don't know his exact role at the Frog and Fiddle. I think he's—I I always kind of predominantly say promoter because I think he pr- promotes a lot of the gigs at the at the Frog and Fiddle. But I don't know if it's a broader reaching remit which stretches to like manager or something. As I say I don't book the venues, so I don't—I don't know. But uh, I know Ollie. I bumped into him at Two Thousand Trees and had a had a little drink with him there. He's a—he's a lovely guy. So hi, Ollie. Don't ask me any horrible questions, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go. Shall I do both now, or should we like save one? What do you reckon, Jess? Um, uh, do one now, then save All one. Right, so this is uh, a music one. He's done it in two parts again because he's being greedy. He says, "Favorite wrestle-related songs or music videos." Is the first part. <laughs> I mean, I can't really. Are there that many wrestling-related music videos? Junior had one. Uh, Mark Andrews' band. They had a wrestling-related music video for Fall to Pieces. Uh, and not only is that an absolutely banging tune, but it's a great video as well. It's got Matt Hardy in it. Uh, oh, cool. And Matt Hardy. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but dig it out if you've not. It's uh, it's a really great video. Uh, so that is the. I think wrestling-related songs. Oh, oh. I can properly nail you with a really obscure one, which I bet that you haven't heard of, and I bet that none of your listeners have heard of. And if anyone has, then you're awesome. But if not, go and check it out. Um, there was a math rock band called the Tupolev Ghost. Um, I think they were from like Cambridge or something. Uh, they've not been a band for I don't know six or seven or eight years now or something. But they had a. Can I, I don't. Can I swear on this podcast? The, yeah, you can a, say whatever the fuck you want. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> they had a song called Giant Fucking Haystacks. And it was, oh, cool. It was so good. It was just it's like. Just like Giant Fucking Haystacks. You can't feel a thing. So that's, uh, that's uh, <laughs> amazing. That's a great song. Yeah. Go, that is, uh, go and that, find that's, that one. That's come out of left field. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> um, have, you seen, um, have you seen the music video for Melrose Diner by The Wonder Years? No, I've not. Because the Wonder Years is one of these like pop punk bands that my friends bang on about, and I don't listen to a lot of pop punk songs. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever listened to the Wonder Years, which is probably sinful in the eyes of a lot of people. What's oh, what, well, what, if you have a what's the name of the track? Uh, Melrose Diner, it's called. Um, Melrose Diner. Yeah, it's not a wrestling song, but the video is wrestling themed, and it's very good. So I think you'd like that one. 
But no one's right, asking me, they're asking you. I'll go and check that one Solid. out. Yeah, and there second you go. part of Ollie's question: What Brit Rocky or other in brackets tunes would make for a great entrance music? What Brit Rock was that specific? Yeah, group? well, he said Brit Rock, and then in brackets he kind of chickened out and said or other, or other. So any song, basically. Any <laughs> I, I, what, what song would yeah. make a great would make great entrance music? Um, or what would you have? Well, you come out to well, beer well, by I, Real Big Fish, don't you? I do, I do. So I, I do have entrance music at Attack for when I come out to ring announce the shows, but I, I doubt it ever makes it onto the video on demands or things like that. I think it just cuts to like the start of the first match on the VOD. But my entrance music is Beer by Real Big Fish because I really like Beer and because it's a good song. Uh, so that, that one works quite well. Um, I actually, so back in November of the year before, um, I was convinced into talked into uh having a kind of one-off wrestling match at attack at walkabout so we had a, a survivor series five on five match and uh i needed to pick some entrance music i figured at the time so i put it to a twitter poll and i kind of made a little short list of like three or four tracks and that, that's how beer ended up getting chosen because that's oh, what cool. i put on there but the uh the other ones that i put on there were uh, it's not a Brit Rock one, but uh, one of the options I put on there was Near to the Wild Heart of Life by Japan Droids. Uh, they're Canadian, but they're a really cool garage rock band. Uh, and that's got a really like uh, like good build. Like, and then it like bursts in with like high energy and really happy and upbeat kind of uh, garage rock. So that was that was pretty cool. I think that'd make a good entrance song if anyone is lacking one. Um uh what else would be good uh back when i'm talking proper back in the days back in the days and this will be a brit rock one um when i used to do wrestling actually in these little community centers in kent and stuff uh i used to come out to a splice of two tracks so it started with the pearl and dean music you know like when you're <laughs> in the cinema but the and then it went into like this b-side by hell is for heroes it was a b-side on night vision uh called can't you hear and it's like so if anyone uh no one will remember that unless you've literally just heard it on this podcast now so again if you need something really like gnarly but that's also by a cool brit rock band then uh go and use uh can't you hear it by hell is for heroes amazing if i ever if i ever need entrance music for whatever reason could i get could i record you doing the music (laughs) instead of the actual music (laughs) of course the, the one thing which i would suggest um not that there's any wrestlers looking for my advice of course but if anyone ever did want a really excellent piece of entrance music they should go and speak to hot tag media works who are run by a chap called matt attard so matt is uh he plays guitar and does vocals in mark andrews band junior but he's also done entrance music for a ton of great british wrestlers so he did pete dunn's entrance music uh for wwe butchered it and made a silly version of it uh (laughs) he did he did marty's one as well he's done the cck one he's he's done tons of really really great tunes and he also um when chuck mambo and i recorded our song for the world cup we went and recorded that round his house and we literally would never have been able to put it into 
I mean, it was it was it was still bad, but we would have never been able to put it into a slightly audible format if it wasn't for the help of Matt <laughs> and his uh, expertise. So uh, he is the man when it comes to uh, creating awesome entrance music in British wrestling. And if I needed a new entrance song, he's the guy I'd go to in two seconds flat. Awesome. That's good. That's uh, educational for people. I like that. Um, uh, yeah, we we interviewed Mambo a couple of weeks ago with TK. And um, back when we interviewed him, England was still in the World Cup. So we were commending him and you um, for um, the song. Then it was obviously spurring England on. Now we know how things have gone down and we're interviewing you. So now we condemn you, Jim. Is that all right? Yeah, I'd just like to apologise on behalf of the whole English nation. Uh, and I'd like to say sorry to <laughs> Gow Southgate and the boys. It's not coming home and it's probably all my fault. So I'm sorry. Um, I'm still devastated. I've still got my uh, my World Cup wall chart up on my living room wall. I went <laughs> so out, fine. I, that mine's on my door as well, yeah. I went out and bought it from... Uh, I, I always have to get the When Saturday Comes one because they always have the best World Cup wall charts. So I've still got it up on my living room wall, but I've not dared to fill it in since England got knocked down. So <laughs> mine just, is... The, <laughs> honestly, you won't believe it. Mine is exactly the same. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's, um, yeah, it's tragic. Um, yeah, so I'm, you're, I'm heartbroken. Um, yeah. So you're a Coventry fan, aren't you? Um, uh, avid Coventry fan. For my sins, yep. Yeah, so um, I was at the tax show a few months ago, and it was the same day that Fulham and Villa were playing um, the playoff final. Oh, yeah. And uh, yes. the words the words shit on the Villa came out your mouth several times <laughs> um, throughout the show. Um, is it? Do you hate all Midlands teams or just Villa? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't really hate any of them. Like, it's... Uh, the thing about... Uh, Aston Villa and even about Leicester and teams like that is that we haven't played them for such a long time. Yeah. And they are, like last season, they were in divisions two or three levels above us. We've not played Villa since we got relegated from the Premier League in 2001. So how can I really hate a team who are demonstrably, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, that much better than us? Um, so well, I, they, are, they are annoying though. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, one of the things that I love about football is that it's tribal. I think that's one of the really cool things about football. My mum my always tries to talk me around to say that rugby is better than football. And she says one of the best things about rugby is that you can uh, sit next to the fans from the other team and have a drink together with them and have a talk about the game. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> one, of the, one of the great things about football is that you are vociferously against those people and for your people and you both want differing outcomes and the crowd is parted and that's what creates the atmosphere so even though i you know can't profess to really legitimately hate other football teams or supporters of other football teams i will maintain the pretense that i do because it makes football better Yes, I completely agree with you. And we've picked good timing for this interview because my beloved baggies, West Bromwich Albion, are um, facing you guys uh, this Saturday, I think, um, for the Cyril Regis Cup. Oh, all right. So, I, I actually forgot that was happening. I, I can't say that I'm going. Um, 
No, uh, no, neither am I actually. But um, <laughs> but um, but I will keep track of it <laughs> online, <laughs> and um, I might tweet you from the yeah. Got Till Five account. If West Brom win, I'll tweet you. If um, Coventry win, you won't be hearing ever from again. Me. God bless you, Royal Regis. What a what an absolute inspiration and legend. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I I can't say I I have I hold up much hope for us to succeed in said match though. Uh, we, oh, we're I don't still know. Kind of, well, we just we just flogged our uh, flogged our top goal score from last season. I haven't replaced him yet, so that's all of it. Oh, did you? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. But you're uh, on a high, right? You're promoted. That's brilliant. Yeah, we've actually won stuff for the first time. For, for people that aren't into football, and there seems to be a lot of people in wrestling that aren't into football, so sorry for going on about it. But No, no don't, but, don't apologise, because uh, they're idiots. But basically, Co- Coventry City used to play in the in the top division, right? And in 1987, they won the FA Cup, which at the time was the uh, accolade to win in English football and quite possibly world club football. Um, then I was born in 1989, uh, and everything went on a horrible, slow decline ever since. <laughs> we, we've suffered three relegations in the time since. Uh, we've been moved out of our home stadium and had to play games 35 miles from home. Uh, the football club's owned by a hedge fund whose only interest is acquiring the, uh, the stadium and the land that it sits on to make some money. It is rotten so it was so so nice this this last two years actually we won a very minor trophy the year before last and got to go and have uh the first day out at Wembley in my lifetime so that was amazing uh I actually went and announced an attack show straight afterwards so I saw Cobb win a trophy at Wembley granted it was only the Johnson's paint trophy but I saw us win a trophy at Wembley I jumped on a train hot-tailed it over to Cardiff and arrived just in time to announce the second half of the show Uh, (laughs) amazing that is impressive Uh, so we got promoted this year so but so you were saying about the um, lack of success they've had since your birth. So are you basically saying that not only can we blame you for England's <laughs> performance in the World Cup, but also Coventry's lack of success until the last year or two? Or maybe we should credit me for the resurgence that both teams have had in the last twelve months or so. Let's keep this. Let's keep this. Let's keep yeah. this. Um, me, me, and Max's first ever. Um, uh, rest, well, first ever WWE show we ever went to was in Coventry. It was um, at the Coventry Ice Rink in 2005. Oh, at the Sky Dome. Is that yeah. is that what it's called? That's, that's, that's what it's that is what it's called. I went to watch my mate have uh, his first semi-pro boxing fight there, literally just about a fortnight ago. Oh, amazing! Um, it was. Uh, was, it was not very full. They they literally <laughs> just literally just lay like a layer on top of the ice rink, and then you've nice. got all, you can add floor seat, and you've got all the seating around it. So I didn't go to that WWE show, but I did go to watch pro wrestling Noah put on a show there. It was like called European Navigation or something like that, and it was oh I reckon it was probably like two thousand and sometime around two thousand and ten, just before just after about two thousand eight or two thousand eleven, something like that. But that was really really cool. Uh, it's a uh, it's a cool venue when it's like filled up, but um... yeah, we we had a good time. I mean, we were what 2004, we were, what 14, max, 14, 15, 15 years yeah, old, something, something like that. that. So, yeah. Eddie just died, so, so it was like, a really cheery yeah. day out for us. That's right, yeah. It was, oh, it was, no. like, it was like a week after Eddie had died, so uh, yeah, the um, attitude. So Eric Bischoff comes out to introduce the show, you'll boo him because he's Eric Bischoff, and then he starts like doing tributes to Eddie and stuff, and you feel quite awkward and to make matters worse, you're all in Coventry for the evening as well. So it's uh, like double whammy of depression. 
Oh, well, well, yeah, well, you said it. But... We got in and out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. But with all this um, football and commentary talk, I feel like I should get to Ollie's second question because it's technically football related. Oh, God, Do we not already have two Ollie he's, questions? I told you, he I hasn't to... stopped. He's, he's, <laughs> he's eager to know, Jim. Um, he says, thoughts yeah. on the football crowd mentality at wrestling shows. Is there a thing as too much chanting, audience participation? Can they take away from action in the ring, especially when those fans tend to get themselves more over instead of enjoying, enjoying what's going on in the ring? Uh, my perception is that there is not such thing as too much chanting. I think it's great when there's a big atmosphere at a wrestling show and when people feel comfortable to be able to participate and make noise. I think one of the really, one of the really cool things about British wrestling is that, uh, that you can be participatory with some really big, like, dudes who are already like global stars or, and many who will go on to be global stars in the future. Um, so I think that for the most part, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, in fact, one of the conversations that I feel like I have ad nauseum when we have shows at the Trinity Centre in Bristol is uh, G-Man, God bless him, who uh, is the chap who does all our video production at Attack. Uh, he's amazing. Wonderful he's man. Uh, incredibly talented and incredibly hardworking. Uh, but he always wants all the house lights up or as much light in the room as possible to make the VODs uh, as, I, I guess, visible as possible or high quality as possible. He'd have to tell you himself. But my perception is always I want the house lights to be down as much as possible and just have the lighting on the ring because I feel that as soon as the crowd are in darkness and can't see one another, they lose their inhibitions a little bit more and they're so much more willing to you know, make noise and to participate um you know no one wants to sit there in kind of half awkward silence you know, at a wrestling show and i'm sure the wrestlers don't want to do it the fans don't want to do it and it does it can happen in small venues every so often um i think i, I think having said that uh ollie maybe has i understand that there may be certain kinds of occurrences referring to when maybe people I don't know if too far is the right term, but rather than participating for the enjoyment of the show, maybe people start to, um, as he puts it, try and think, I, I, I don't know the best way to phrase this really, but, uh, but he, he called it trying to get themselves over, right? And maybe there is a line to be drawn there between uh, being participatory as part of a whole collective of people who are enjoying the show and you just making a very personal scene to get eyes on you. I think there's a, there's a, 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 a strange, but quite clearly divisible line there, if that makes sense. Yes, completely. Um, I think that, I think that to be honest with you, I feel like 99% of people and 99% of the time, people really understand where that line is and people don't really have much inclination to cross that line. Uh, but I think it, it maybe just really sticks out on the occurrences when, when it the line does get crossed because it can be a bit annoying. So uh, my message to wrestling fans would be: come to shows, make loads of noise, really, really enjoy yourself, uh, but uh, don't try and turn the spotlight on yourselves because it's to the detriment of the enjoyment of the other people around you who are also trying to yeah, enjoy. Yeah, that's the show. fair. That's fair. Nice. Yeah, that's a um, good way to put it. Um, so you're about our age. I think you said you were born in 89, so you're, what, a year older than us, I think. Um, I'm so 28, yes. 28, yeah, so yeah, so, so am I, and you're almost 28, aren't you? No, I'm 28, um, I'm remembering my birthday. Oh, you're, tw- you're 28 now. When was your birthday? July. 
like two weeks ago, <laughs> mate. Uh, happy birthday! Hey. Happy birthday! Happy birthday. Did I see? No, not again! Not again! Don't take it away from my mother. Um, <laughs> did I put something on your Facebook, Max? Um, probably. I must have done. Yeah, no, that's all you have to do nowadays. Um, so. Um, oh no! And you also did on, on the Got to Five Twitter. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, see, I'm fucking brilliant. I yeah, I did everything. <laughs> Good friend. Um, uh, so based on that, you said you told me uh, at Trees when we were chatting that you don't really keep up with current wrestling anymore, and neither do I really. It's like especially um, WE and the big stuff is there's just too much of it to keep up with. But um, what's your favourite era of wrestling? Like when when you were a kid, is there a time that you were really like just living it? You know. So that's uh, I, I think to preface any kind of kind of a general wrestling related question that that was my my initial reaction when you asked me at this music festival of would you fancy coming on our wrestling podcast was well i guess my reaction was twofold number one was does anyone really want to listen to me talk full stop and number two i don't really watch wrestling so <laughs> I, uh, I go to all the attack shows and have been to the majority of attack shows for the last seven or eight years so i I, I feel I know that world very well. But outside of that, I watch very little wrestling. And I, I think that to add to that, the eras in which I've consumed wrestling are really strange. So uh, I, I guess I kind of consumed the Attitude Era to an extent because I watched wrestling when I was at primary school and stuff like that. Um, and then I stopped watching it for ages. But I think that the point at which I started re-watching wrestling and got really into it as a teenager was when it was really, really shit. (laughs) Like, I remember when we got... um, A couple of mates of mine started watching wrestling again, so I got into it through them. And then when we got Sky Sports at home, I was like, yeah, I can start watching the WWE pay-per-views now. And, like, the first one was, like, The Great American Bash 2006 or something like that. So, I'd... And that was, like, the, the... like so like the superman cena era and stuff like that were the was the stuff that i was that i was really into and then i stopped watching again when i went to university so that was i guess around about probably just around after the time cm punk left i guess so uh, it's it's really strange that like, the eras of wrestling i've consumed are probably not s- standard or ordinary um i really liked wrestling when i was growing up but I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball and say that my favourite era of wrestling is that I have watched and enjoyed is wrestling today. And that is in spite of the fact that I don't really watch much wrestling today. But the reason why I say it is, has there ever been a time when you have dudes who are pushing being top tier global talent who are known across the world, who can rock up and perform in the barn out the back of your local pub in front of 120 people. 100% that. No, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's crazy. When you put it like that, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's something which was unthinkable, like, even a few years ago. Like, didn't Triple H rock up at an ICW show? Yeah, him and Pete. At one time recently. Like, that would have been... If you'd have said that five or six years ago, that Triple H is going to rock up at some indie wrestling show, you'd you would have not believed that that is a thing that could occur. So I think that it's a really strange time in wrestling. And who knows if it's uh, something which will last forever, this kind of strange crossover between local independent wrestling and the big leagues. But I think that it's a time that everyone should really 
savor and enjoy for those reasons. Uh, I, I think it's super cool. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And yeah, it must be amazing for you to sort of see, I mean, obviously Pete Dunn, you've known forever. And um, he's like Mr. British wrestling now, really. I mean, there's loads of talent that are doing very well, but he seems to be the top of the food chain, certainly in WWE's eyes. That must be sort of surreal and incredible for you to see that. Yeah, it's super surreal. I mean, first off, guys like Pete Dunn and Mark Andrews and Tyler Bate and all the UK WWE guys who are smashing it, they so deserve to be in those positions. They've worked so hard for so long and are so talented and oftentimes have made it happen for themselves. They absolutely, thoroughly, 100% deserve to be in those positions. But at the same time, it is really, really surreal and weird because there was a once upon a time... uh, as I spoke, alluded to earlier on, with the way that the British wrestling scene was once upon a time without there being any pathway there, in my eyes at least, the WWE was a completely unattainable goal for myself and for any of my close circle of friends. Whether Pete or Mark saw it differently when they were younger, I don't know. But certainly the way that I saw it was that guys like us or like them never stood a hope in hell in, of reaching the WWE. So, yeah, so it felt like a different planet, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There was no, there was no uh, foreseeable bridge or foreseeable route for that to happen. Mm. Like, uh, you know, I, I remember being like, the first time any of us ever got used on X Wrestling, I remember being like, this is so cool. We're on the really big shows now. Or the first time Mark Andrews got booked for IPW at the Tap and Tin, being like, holy crap, you're on IPW. It's amazing. And for me, that was like the... That was huge, right? The In my mind, the, the absolute pinnacle of what could ever be achieved would be that, oh my God, maybe someday we might be able to go and do a Shikara show or something like that. And that was that would have been like my WWE, right? The idea we could have yeah. gone on. Would, and that's nothing, obviously, against Shikara, who are an incredible promotion, who do incredible work, but uh, quite quite obviously a different kettle of fish to go in and working for you know, a massive multinational corporation who dominate the wrestling industry. So um, it's to go from that perspective of what I always believed was achievable for me and my group of friends to then seeing them having achieved all these incredible things, it's, it, it is surreal because in all honesty, in spite of the fact that I feel they deserve it, it does still surpass the expectations of what I always felt was possible. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. It's yeah, it is incredible. And uh, you do have to, I'm sure you do even more than me, like have to just pitch yourself every now and again and go, fuck it out. This is actually happening. It's amazing. Um, Something which, something which I don't think I've, I've spoken about or told people because it's a touch embarrassing, but after, uh, for the WWE United Kingdom championship tournament, the first one in Blackpool, uh, where it was two nights at the, was it the Empress ballroom or I forget the name of the venue now. Um, but I've been there to watch the darts and stuff like that before, right? Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a big venue where big things happen, basically. And to go there and to see all of, you know, my, my mates achieving these incredible things for the WWE and to wrestle for the WWE, I went up there for that weekend and I went back to my hotel room after the second night and I, I did a little cry because I was yeah. that overwhelmed and that happy that that, that could have possibly happened, right? It was... It was a, I felt like it was a huge deal, and I still feel it's a huge deal. Uh, I think it's amazing. Very surreal. It, it was, yeah, it was history, wasn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. There you go. That's an exclusive for the podcast. Like, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, have you got another fan question to uh, pepper in? As I, I do, I nice. do. I've got. Um, we had a question from Dave, but I am going to leave it, Dave, because we did kind of answer this question with Chuck and TK about Brit wrestling and how it's going to help with the UK scene. So, and me and Jess will just get into an argument. So I'm going to go. Simple. Okay, yeah, we've we've touched on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dom Winsan says, "Have you ever got too drunk to perform your ring announcing duties?" Uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I thought I did great. It's not for you to say, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. There have been times where I felt uh, a little at risk of starting to slur my words a touch. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever crossed that line. I can handle my source. You know, I know when to, I know when to slow down, I hope. Um, Are like, you one of those drinkers? Because this is what I do. I slur long before I'm actually drunk. Like my my brain feels fine, but my mouth is slur- and I can hear myself slurring, and it's really annoying because I think, oh man, now they think I'm drunk, and I know I'm not. It's just it reaches my mouth before it reaches any other part of my body. Do you know? What I, I, mean? I think it could depend on other factors as well. So, I mean, for example, at the Attack Pro Wrestling show most recently at the Cates Community Centre this weekend, just gone. It was called Sunglasses After Dark. It's just gone nice. on VOD. Um, I occasionally at the Attack shows get pulled into helping on commentary for the video on demand. And so on this particular show, I did commentary for, I think it was like the second or third match and for the main event. And by the main event, I, I, I don't really want to listen to the commentary back because I'm sure I'm there slurring words and tripping over my words and things like that. Even though I literally had one can of lager halfway through the show. But it's because there's all these other factors like it was roasting hot in there. I was tired because I'd had a late night the night before. It'd been a really busy week. So I think that, uh, you know, I th- I, th- I think you don't be too hard on yourself. Right? There can be other external factors which can play into the slurring of words rather than just just how much uh, booze you've you've poured down your throat. So, no, uh, next time next time I've got someone cornered in a pub, I'll explain that to them. Yeah, to away. <laughs> yeah, with your with your slurred words. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I swear, I, I, don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do a slow impression. I'm so stuffed there. I <laughs> so. Um, I mean, you said that like you obviously founded Attack, but um, you're you're not really involved in the business side so much anymore. Um, but from where you are, have you got any desire to sort of see Attack get bigger, or are you sort of happy where it is? Um, not to. Um, I think there was actually a fan that asked a similar question, wasn't there? There Max, is. He's, um, he's asked five. And questions. His, I think his exact his exact words his exact words were um, not to side with that cunt Eddie Dennis. But um, but, um, would you like to see Attack get a bit bigger or do you like it how it is now? For anyone that doesn't get that reference, uh, Eddie Dennis is currently in a faction in Attack Pro Wrestling called Nothing to Prove. And their raison d'etre as a faction is to end all gimmicks and drag Attack Pro Wrestling (laughs) into the 21st century out of uh, bingo halls and out of barns uh, and into proper big venues. Um, I, if I'm completely honest about the way that I feel about it, I, I think it is the most amazing thing for uh, wrestling in this country, for fans and for wrestlers, that you have British independent wrestling running shows like Wembley Arena or running mm. whatever the equivalent is up in, in Glasgow where ICW perform. I think that is, again, that's something which you would have never foreseen all those years ago and i think that you've got to give enormous credit to people like progress and people like icw and to all the wrestlers involved for for and for all the fans for for coming out and watching on a regular basis well for for making those things happen but from my perspective and in terms of attack pro wrestling i 
and I, I really hope I'm not going against what the people who run Attack for Wrestling would like to eventually do with the company because <laughs> I've I've not spoken with them about it. But my um, I I almost feel like Attack Pro Wrestling probably wouldn't translate onto a really massive stage like that. Um, I think that Attack Pro Wrestling. I think I think it might lose part of its charm if it was in a room with thousands and thousands of people. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it can be... Maybe if things keep going the way they are, there might start to be difficulties because, as you said earlier, you know, Jesse, like the, the, the tickets for that Cheltenham show will go in half an hour nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, most of the shows that are run at the Walkabout in Cardiff, which houses 400-odd people, most of those will sell out as well. And so... The demand is definitely there for larger crowds to consume it, but I, I kind of wonder, would it still be the, would it still be the same kind of event if it was run in shows where you'd lose that close proximity to to the wrestlers? I, I don't know. I, I, for my personal enjoyment, I really like the kind of venues that Attack run now, and uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a case of running more places might be possible. Attack are already running more regularly than they ever were. Uh, they're already going to run London for the first time ever in September. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's growing in that sense. And I'd be happy to see them do more regular stuff in more places if it didn't tread on the toes of other promotions in those areas. Um, but I, I, don't, I feel in terms of venue size, I... I wouldn't want it to lose what's special about Attack. But that's just my perspective. Like I said, I don't know what others think. I don't know what... I mean, Jesse, you come to watch Attack. What's your, what do you reckon? No, I completely agree with you. And like we were saying earlier, the, it, what makes the scene so good right now is seeing these sort of world-class British talents in such small venues. And if you want to see them at a bigger venue, you can, because these same wrestlers do progress or WWE or whatever, you yeah. know, so you can go to bigger venues. Um, the whole, you're right, the whole charm of Attack is that you can come to a sweaty little barn or whatever and um, see these wrestlers that you love so much and admire so much in such an intimate setting. And that's just fantastic to me. I wonder if part of the reason why I feel that way is because that's the way I consume a lot of my other, uh, whether it be media or interest as well. I, I go and watch a fair bit of live music and I love going to small, sweaty, intimate venues where you can be really close to the acts as opposed mm. to going to an arena show, for example. Um, so I, I don't know if maybe that's just the way that I enjoy consuming these things and plenty of other people enjoy consuming them in, in another way. Um, that's from almost from the perspective of an attack fan. That's, I, I really like the way it is right now. No, I agree that we're two peas in a pod, Jim, you and I. Nah. Um, <laughs> Shall I finish um, off um, Ollie's question then, seeing as we've answered the first one? So this is from um, Ollie Ryder. He signed it. Oh, yeah, yeah different, different Ollie. Ollie, right, yeah. Ollie Ryder. He signed it as well, anti-fun Liam Gallagher. I don't know if that's like an in thing. Oh, uh, yeah, there was a... So the anti-fun police... Oh, I guess I was going to say they're a faction attack. They're over, a faction yeah. all over British wrestling Damn. now. Yeah. Um, but uh, occasionally, some of the fans of Attack Pro Wrestling will come and dress up as the anti-fun police. So, you know, uh, black button-up shirts and sunglasses and the like. And this chap, Ollie Ryder, apparently his name is, uh, was at an Attack show once. I think at the Frog and Fiddle in Cheltenham, stood not far from the front. 
um, dressed as a member of the anti-fun police, but also looking alarmingly like Liam Gallagher or another kind of <laughs> Brit-pop contemporary of his. So I, I blurted out on the microphone in front of all of the 120 people, oh, look, it's anti-fun Liam Gallagher or words for that effect. <laughs> but uh, but hi, hi, Ollie Ryder. Uh, as as you were, as the real LG would say. Is that what there you go. He said something, he said something is, like that, doesn't he? That is what he says. <laughs> I, lo- I lost a bet with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and now I have to name my firstborn child as you were. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your last name? Will it go with your last name? No, my last name is Benz, which doesn't as really were, go Benz. with anything. As in, like, as in, as in Mercedes Benz, Benz. Uh, yeah, it doesn't I work. As it doesn't you... work. As you were Ben's, as you, yeah. as you it were just sounds no, like someone's having a pop at me. Yeah. My my favorite my favorite one of those was that uh, someone once said that Matthew Upson, the footballer, should name his first son Chin. Chin Upson. Chin <laughs> <laughs> I like that we both said it under that our breath. Awesome. Chin oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be done. You can't think it, can you? Sorry, Ollie, Ollie Ryder. Ryder. Yeah. What's your question, Ollie well, he Ryder? Has five five questions. I feel like he's gotten behind this, got to a five concept. Um, but <laughs> I said, I, I said, I said, has anyone got a question? And he Everyone's breaking the rules. Apparently, direction. the rules don't apply to anyone named Dolly. That's that's what we're learning tonight. No. Uh, but his other three are quite quick. So he says, favorite match in attack history. My favorite match in attack history. Uh, I've thought about this before, and. I often change my mind between two of them, even though they are two that have happened relatively recently. Uh, so one of, in fact, they might have, one of them was this year and one of them was last year. So one of them that I thought was, I remember at the time just being blown away by it was when we had uh, Will Ospreay came and made a one-off appearance for Attack at the Cate's Community Centre Bingo Hall in Cardiff. It's the only time Will Ospreay's ever wrestled for Attack. Uh, he was the IWGP junior heavyweight champion at the time. He just rocked up unannounced at the Bingo Hall. So that was cool. And he had a match with uh, the Wild Boar. Uh, and they just absolutely tore the place up. Uh, like The Boar can go when you put him in the ring and, and, just, and just let him loose with someone that's you know, super talented like he is. Um, and that was just a, uh, an unbelievable match. I, I remember just turning to whoever I was next to afterwards and being like, I think that's one of the best matches I've ever seen in the tack. It was that good. Um, Amazing. So that was super cool. And I'd encourage people to go and dig it out if I could remember which show it was on. It was one of the ones at the bingo hall at the very start of this year. Uh, okay, I'll have, to, I'll have um, to find that actually. I'll have to yeah. VOD that. I've never seen that. Yeah. I think it would have been in whichever one was in Cardiff at the first this year. I think probably in January it would have been at that show. And okay. the other one, which I love, which is on the complete opposite end of the wrestling spectrum, was from. Uh, 2017's Under the Mistletoe Night 2 at the Trinity Centre in Bristol. Loser leaves Attack Pro Wrestling. Referee Shea Purser versus <laughs> referee Chris Roberts. Um, have, have either of you seen this match? Not the match, no. Uh, I can't say I have, no. You you need to see it. It's the... Uh, I, I'm trying to think how... So obviously it's a very different match to Will Ospreay versus the Wild Boar. Um a lot of people don't necessarily give Shea Purser, who's predominantly been a referee in his career, people don't necessarily give him credit for the fact that he is actually a, a pretty good wrestler. He's been training to be a wrestler for, for quite a while, and he's, he's really underrated. He's actually very, very good. Mm. Um, but, I mean, Chris Roberts, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, 
that I mean he's not a wrestler. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's he's not. He spent tons and tons of time in a wrestling ring, and he gets wrestling inside out. But he's not a wrestler. Um, mm. And I think that that match, the fact that that match was so good, was a testament to how making people invested in a match by giving them a reason to give a shit is one of the most important things you can do in wrestling because you have two dudes there who are or one dude who is demonstrably not a wrestler and another guy who's a vastly inexperienced wrestler and yet they put on a match where all 200 and however many people in attendance were on their feet the entire time they were hanging off every single moment in that match and it it really meant something because it was the accumulation of a year and a half of events where Shea Purser, who used to be this lovable child referee, became a right little shit and started <laughs> interfering with matches to help the bastards that he looked up to uh, and was just a royal pain in the ass to everyone involved. A corrupt, useless, annoying official who Chris <laughs> Roberts took issue with. Chris Roberts became... Um, became started to receive physical harm as a result of interjecting himself into this situation. He left Attack Pro Wrestling and then he came back to stop Shea Purser doing these things he was doing and challenged him to a match whereby the loser would have to leave Attack Pro Wrestling for good. And the fact that that story built over such a long period of time was something that people were so invested in meant that by the time this match came around, it didn't necessarily matter that it wasn't an a five-star indie-rific match in terms of its, uh, its sheer technical quality. Uh, what mattered was... Everything mattered. Every little thing that occurred in that match, everyone was hanging off. Um, it was emotional. It was compelling it was one it's one of my favorite wrestling matches ever which sounds ridiculous but now you so you've I'd, sold it to I'd, me i didn't i didn't it's everything that's great about professional wrestling in my in my opinion like that uh this physical theater whereby if you give people a reason to really care about it it's it's so gripping and entertaining awesome well that's two matches that everyone needs yeah, to check out now. i think um we saw we saw Shay in his um, Progress Wrestling debut we as a did. referee a couple we of weeks did. ago. Um, his first ever Progress show, so that was nice. Yeah, I I, I heard about that. Uh, I think mm. he's going to start appearing in a few more places as a wrestler as well. At least I hope so. He's he's recently returned to Attack Pro Wrestling as a uh, as 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 okayed by referee Chris Roberts, um, <laughs> and uh, he's been returning as a as a wrestler now to Attack Pro Wrestling. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Uh, without the referee's bow tie around his neck, because as I say, I think he's a he's a really talented boy. He's still young, but he's very talented. So it's awesome that he's appearing in more places as a ref. But I'd also love to see more places utilise him as a as a wrestler yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. So you said that you did. Um... Oh, sorry. There's more for oh, Molly. Chew, chew your jets, there. You know this this one might sorry, be a little bit sorry. harder for you, Jim. He wants to know favorite beer. Ooh, I. You you have no idea how often people ask me this question. Like I get asked all the time, like, "Oh, you drank a thousand different beers in 2016. Which one was the best?" <laughs> and it's like, oh, I mean, like it's, picking a favourite child can't be done. 
Well, it's not even like picking a favourite child. It's more that different beers have different qualities, which I will appreciate differently at different times. So having a favourite is like impossible. It's like saying, what's your favourite thing? And just stopping there and being like, what do you mean what's my favourite thing? There's lots of different things. I've got a favourite. I've got a favourite kind of pizza. I've got a favourite kind of music. I've got a favourite kind of jeans. I, I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but beer is... One of the things which beer does not get enough credit for is how incredibly diverse it is as a drink, right? Even if I talk about it in like real layman's terms, the difference between a pint of Carlin and a pint of Guinness, those drinks are worlds apart, right? In terms of the way they look, in terms of the way they feel, in terms of the way they smell, in terms of the way they taste. And that is using two of just the most basic examples you'll find on any tap in any pub in the world, right? Mm. Or in, in, the, in the country, I should say. Um, and when you consider that there are a million and one different styles of beer in between that and different ways in which those styles can be made, it's... It, it's far too simplistic to just say which is your favourite I feel like we, beer, we've struck a nerve there. I, um, I feel like that's... A... <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, I can tell you some beers that I've enjoyed recently. That's one thing I could do. I think particularly given it's warm weather right now, I can tell you three great warm weather beers I've been enjoying recently. So one that I always enjoy when the sun comes out, especially if it's a weekend, is a beer called Juice Box, which is made by the Four Pure Brewing Company here in southeast London. Mere 20 minutes walk from where I am right now. Um, it's a citrus IPA. It's relatively strong, comes in at about 6%. Uh, but it's super fruity, super citrusy. It packs a bit of a punch, but at the same time, it's refreshing and it's great for a hot day. So if you're drinking on the weekend, you don't mind something a bit boozy, get on the Juice Box. Um, by contrast, if you're drinking in the week and you need something a bit lighter, but you still want something a little bit hoppy, but maintaining its uh, refreshingness, that's not a word, but you get me. Uh, Four Pure also do a great session IPA called Southern Latitude, which I really, really love as well. They're one of my local breweries, so I, I drink a lot of their beers. Um, another one that I really enjoyed recently was at Attack Pro Wrestling just this weekend, um, there was one of the fans in attendance, a chap called Matt, and he is a brewer at Lost and Grounded, who are a brewery in Bristol. And he bought along for me a can of their Keller Pills, which is kind of like a hoppy lager beer. Uh, and that was awesome. Uh, I'm not a big lager drinker, but that was super delicious, super refreshing. Uh, and as long as the hot weather's out, uh, I think if you've got access to that beer, Bristolians, I'm looking at you particularly, uh, go and try some Lost and Grounded Keller Pills. But in general... Seek out your local breweries, support your local breweries. Uh, beer is best drunk when it's fresh uh, and the hops have not yet faded. Uh, and it's just awesome in general to support uh, your independent businesses in your area. So so even though Four Pure are now owned by a, a multinational conglomerate, but we won't get into that because uh, I could be here all day. Well, I was uh, about but, yeah, to say, that's... I think we've, if you ever want to do a podcast, Jim, I feel like you found your subject right there. So... That was amazing. I'm I'm going to check out Juicebox because I myself like very citrusy kind of beers, so I'm going to be looking out for that. I was going to say it sounded like it sounded like he was describing you, Max, a bit fruity. <laughs> yeah, don't forget it. Um, final question from him is: If you could have any in capitals tag team join the KT, oh the um, Chris Travis, Chris Travis tag team invitational, um, yeah. invitational. Um, who would it be? 
and why? Oh, Any tag team. Ow, that's a that's a really hard question. Any tag team. Oh, God. Which tag teams do I really like? Um, just, to, just to clue you in before you answer this question, um, there is word on the street that Dave Benson Phillips will be tag teaming <laughs> with Session Moth shortly. If that affects your decision at all, carry on. Dude, I heard that and I was like, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'm sure it's crossed my mind before to be like, Dave Benson Phillips would be great at a wrestling show. When I saw that announcement, I was like, oh my God, this is the best. I was, that is so exciting. And Rich Side Wrestling, a genius. Well, I did the, the interview with him yesterday or Wednesday, whenever this podcast comes out. Um, and I said, like, were you just wanting to get a name? And Josh just went dead serious and went, I've been wanting Dave Benson Phillips since I started this promotion. <laughs> like, okay. yeah he just seems i don't know why he just seems so perfectly suited to a guest cameo role in pro wrestling it's, he is so like uh like brit rest 2018 in a weird way that i can't i, I don't i don't i can't explain why it's so perfect well, but what it did is he perfect. State, um, did he needed um dave Benson phillips he needs two, two mankinis, mankinis. Um, for his, he's described as an ample frame for a man of his age, and he said, uh, "Drop me a message or come come round." Didn't tell you where to go. Around. <laughs> as if everyone knows where he is. Right. I've, I'm sure I remember seeing one time that I think it was a newspaper article or something. That you can just like hire Dave Benson Phillips to like come round to your house for like a birthday party or things like that. So I wonder if it's more just like when he says come round, maybe rather than you necessarily going to him, you give him a bell and he'll come round your house and pick it up. I don't. <laughs> Like, and and stay, stay for stay for a cup of tea and some gungeon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we got our next guest. That sounds, uh, that oh, sounds like sure. a dirty uh, euphemism. Yeah. One um, one tag. I think. Oh, there's a million to pick from, but how crazy would it be? And it's obviously not going to happen. Let me just preface that: it's obviously not going to happen. But how amazing would it be if like Edge and Christian were in the Attack Pro Wrestling Chris Travis yes. Tag Team Invitational? That would be like for me the pinnacle of like really cool tag teams that'd be awesome uh, that would, they've got they've got the chops as well haven't they like to sort of they've got the comedy chops along with the wrestling to carry uh, they, that be they'd awesome. have to they'd have to come out in their old tag team gear you know with all the, the you know the bright colors and the sunglasses and they'd have to grow all their hair back and and do it proper old school uh that would be that ah, that'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. I love it. And um, finally, Ollie says, not a question, but he just wants to say thank you for always being absolutely lovely, bringing the attack to the frog, and making me lose my soul to indie wrestling. Ah, thanks for always coming, Ollie. That's awesome. Lovely. That's that's lovely. Um, I have one more question, really. Um, um, now, I've never seen you without a hat on, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, but I did come across a picture not long ago of you without a hat on. Um, is it true you've got a top knot under your hat? It was true until about six weeks ago, and now I don't have a top knot on under my hat anymore. I'm not wearing a hat right now. I'd work today. I've got a normal, boring day job where I sell news about competition law. Um, and I I just have a, a really normal, boring man's haircut now, basically. Just like oh, okay. uh, uh, just kind of a slicked back fringe look. Uh, I did have a top knot for a bit before that. Um, what, what, I, what, what, what made you do that and who hurt you? <laughs> I, I, ju- I honestly figured it would make life easier. The reason why I always wear a hat is because I just can't be bothered with hair. 
Like it's <laughs> so much effort to wake up and uh, you know, after I've washed it, hair dry it and put product in it, and then worry all day about whether it's maintained its shape and all that stuff. Like I just really, it's because I've got to do it every bloody day for work, and I just can't be ah. So for years, I've just woke up and on the weekends chucked on a hat, dead easy. But being being a bit of a genius as I naturally am. Uh, I thought to myself, well, if I had longer hair, I could just tie it up on top of my head after I woke up, and I wouldn't need to wear a hat then. Nice, so it would be loads of effort, so, so I win. What I didn't take into account was the fact that having long hair means it takes like 20 minutes to dry and takes loads of maintenance. And when I did want to still make it look smart enough for work, if I had to meet with someone fancy, it was a nightmare and... It turned out it was even more effort, so I, I got rid of it again now. Fair enough. I just don't think there's a solution to this until I go bald and lose all my hair. I, I think you, you're the only people. person rooting for male pattern baldness. <laughs> yeah. I also like that. That was, a, that was sort of a frivolous question, but we got a real journey from that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, that's the beauty. I love it. So we'll let you go in a bit, Jim, but the thing we subject every single guest to, which makes everyone squirm, is we give them a top five at the end. Now, we were a little bit nice yes. to you and we told you what we were going to do. The rest of them, we're not <laughs> as nice. Yeah. So we asked you, if I remember correctly, top five current wrestlers on the UK scene, which me and Jesse will be doing shortly. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you told me ahead of time because I had to have a proper think about it. Like it's, <laughs> um, the, the reason why I really felt I needed to know what the question would be ahead of time is because it was like, if you give me a top five of like, I don't know, top five WCW wrestlers, I'd be like, well, I've probably only watched three WCW shows ever. So like, I probably won't be able to do that kind of thing. So, We've like, learned, so as we've I, learned... I, I just don't watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> we've also learned the hard way that um, see I love WCW and I've insisted that we've done some WCW top fives and they're our lowest rated and lowest listened to episodes that we've ever done <laughs> so um, I think I've had to so I'm not uh, the only one yeah exactly I've, I've had to accept that um, that people don't like my taste <laughs> so I, I had to ponder about my who I think are the top five wrestlers on the UK scene and I, right now and I guess I've got to preface it in a couple of ways. I guess, number one, I, I cannot give a fully unbiased view of who the best wrestlers are in the UK simply because I have not seen most wrestlers in the UK. I, there'll be, there are loads of great, great wrestlers in Scotland from what I occasionally see and what loads of people speak about, but I will have very rarely seen any Scottish indie wrestling, really. So not including any Scottish indie wrestlers is not because I don't think Scottish indie wrestling is great. It's just because I've not been particularly exposed to it. So this is kind of the caveat of this is like the top five wrestlers who I've seen a decent bit of. Uh, and well, this is, this is quite a... This is quite a dangerous ground for you as well, because um, you're actually at risk of hurting someone's feelings. <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know. Will people be offended well, that I've ranked them too highly? Well, no, like, no. Oh, I mean, the wrestlers, the wrestlers, you know, you know them um, more personally than a lot of people that would be doing a list like this. Uh, I, I hope no one will be upset. <laughs> He's just going to walk into a tank and just get like beaten in I the corner. Why was I number three? Yeah, exactly. Just a, 
just um, apart apart from five of them, five of them sat there really <laughs> smugly, and all the rest of them just like I thought we were friends. Like, uh, no, so and the other thing that I figured was I had to try and toy with the inter- the like interpretation of the way you asked the question as well, because wrestlers currently on the UK scene was it. So for example, I figured that means I probably can't include like Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay, who are probably two of the best wrestlers on the planet right now, but spend relatively little of their time in the UK. So I, I kind of toyed with it, and I came yeah. up with my five. Um, how, how do you want me to reveal it? Should I count it down five to one? Or yeah, we normally normal... just go five to one. Um, you can, like TK last week, you just rattled them off straight away. Um, or you can ponder. It, it's up to you. This is, this is your moment. Okay. So, the five that I eventually settled on, after much deliberation, was uh, from five to one. Number five, Chris Brooks. Number four, Eddie Dennis. Number three, El Ligero. Number two, Tyler Bates, and number one, Pete Dunn. Those were those were the that, five that that's I picked. A solid top awesome. five right there of the best and the best uh, around. I th- yeah, as far as like you know, work rate combined with um, confidence in your own gimmick and things like that, like you you can't really compete with any of them, can you? They're all doing a fantastic job. Well, I, I think when I thought about it, is it's so interesting that it's. It's such a subjective question because you, to ask someone who the best wrestler is could encompass such a broad range of things. And the people on those lists are there for all sorts of different reasons. Like Chris Brooks is the perfect British indie wrestler because, uh, you know, in a world where people are oftentimes exposed to the same wrestlers on such a regular basis, he is continuously innovative and he engages with the small audiences on such a perfect and intricate level that he's perfectly suited to that environment so he's in there for one reason whereas uh eddie dennis is there mostly because like when i spoke about earlier that chris roberts shea Persa match the reason that was a great match is because people were given a reason to really invest and really give a shit in that wrestler match. And Eddie Dennis probably does that better than anyone in the UK right now, right? In terms of his ability to generate interest and get people uh, to create compelling reasons for people to give a shit about his matches. Um, yeah. El Ligero is probably the, probably the single most polished performer in the UK and so incredibly versatile as well in that he can come into attack on the odd occasion when he does and put on an absolute barnstorming five-star indie wrestling match, then he can run off and on the same day probably <laughs> can go and run, you know, put on a, a perfectly structured camp show match that will get 700 kids screaming at the top of their lungs. Um, mm. So it's... Uh, it's, it, it's I, I guess my point is it's just cool that, um, that when you say who is the best at this, there are so many small facets to what can make people great and so many small nuances uh that kind of contribute to, to what one would perceive to yeah be the and, best. and and i think that's why well we mainly say best because we like to antagonize our fans and get them riled up but we mainly say it because it, it is subjective <laughs> to to everyone's opinion when me and jesse do do the top five we're gonna um vary so wildly on our opinion of, of what makes the best for us so yeah, and I love I love I love Twitter fights as well with people. I really enjoy them. So sometimes I'll pick someone really bad just so that people get angry. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was kind of tempted to just throw a complete wild card in there. I was also thinking like, who are my favourite five wrestlers ever? And 
for, for whatever reason, whenever people ask me, like, favourite wrestlers, my go-to answer is always, like, Sylvester Turkai. It's the same way when people ask me who's my favourite footballer ever. I'm always like, Tamiri Ketspire. <laughs> who, is the, who is the most just random, virtually insignificant name that people might have, off chance, maybe heard of, kind of thing. <laughs> just, just for... Just for the lols, really. Like it. Awesome. It's, you've got to live. You've got to live for the lols, otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Jim, Jim, thank you so much, man. No worries, dudes. I, is uh, there I... is there anything you want to get off your chest before? Um, oh, and before also tell people where they can get all that sweet attack merch, tickets, and uh, on demand. Stuff, oh, obviously you know. that. Yeah. Yeah, come and watch Attack Pro Wrestling because we have a really, really good time, and I'd love for you to have a good time with us. Uh, it's facebook.com forward slash attack pro wrestling or on Twitter at attack wrestling. Uh, there's already a bunch of tickets on sale for upcoming events. You can either find the links at those things I just mentioned because the ticket sites like attack pro wrestling dot big cartel.com. But there is, uh, our third annual, thank God it's not winter slam coming up on August the 19th in Bristol. Uh, that's the same day as SummerSlam, if you're wondering why it has such a weird name. Um, <laughs> and there's a huge match that evening where, or that afternoon, it will be an afternoon show because it's a Sunday, where the anti-fun police will be going four on four against uh, nothing to prove Eddie Dennis's faction, whereby the losing faction will have to disband. So that's massive. Uh, that's on August 19th and tickets are on sale, but already running low. And literally like yesterday, uh, as we speak now, tickets have gone on sale for the second annual Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational Tournament. So this is where Attack have uh, eight tag teams compete for uh, for the for, for the opportunity to be tournament champions over the course of two days. Uh, this time we're running one show in Cheltenham at the Frog and Fiddle and one show in Cardiff at the Bingo Hall. And all of the proceeds from that show, uh, from those shows, from that weekend of shows... Uh, we'll go to Cavendish Cancer Care. Uh, they are the charity uh, who looked after uh, Chris Travis when he was battling cancer and took such good care of him and supported his loved ones. Um, I, I didn't know Chris Travis well. I only met him on a couple of occasions, but he's someone who is re who, who was really close, remains close in the heart of a lot of the people who are involved in Attack Pro Wrestling. So it that is a cause which means a lot to those people and it's an honor to be able to uh to, to raise money to help them in the same way that they help so many people so uh please look up the tickets for that and get on it it's going to be an, an amazing weekend uh for a great cause uh with good times brilliant nice one have we um have we broken our record we fucking nailed it yeah sorry nice. well, guys no, no that's awesome. i like no. to talk I'm, no, I'm you're, you're get... interested and funny, so it's so easy, it's easy to do. I'm going to go and get told off by my girlfriend now because we've definitely been missing Love Island, haven't we? <laughs> oh, we, shit. We, yeah. we, we, watch, we watch that together every night, so I'm going to be behind now. So you just gotta got to tell her, you know, it's the, it's the celebrity status. When she's dating a celebrity, that's what you have to do. You just got to lay that down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think she just doesn't <laughs> care, though, does she? Like, she... <laughs> You know, she, uh, I mean, she cares in the right way. She doesn't care about any, you know, she, she's come from a world where like wrestling just isn't really a thing. So it's kind of like one of my, I realized that we've already gone too long, but really quick story. Cause this is, no, just, we haven't gone too long. It's just, just because this is funny. Um, before it was literally a few weeks before the big progress show at the Alexandra palace, uh, last year. And there was an attack show at the frog and fiddle in Cheltenham. 
Uh, and my girlfriend Stacey comes to watch the attack shows every so often, but she's not from a world in which you know pro wrestling was really a thing. And we're saying goodbye to everyone after the show, and she goes up to Travis Banks and casually, who's in the main event, the Progress title match, the following week or a couple <laughs> weeks later, the Ali at the Ali Pali, and kind of goes to him, "Are you going to be at Alexandra Palace next week? Will I see you there?" <laughs> and he's like. Hey, are you serious? And she was being completely <laughs> serious. She just did not. So yeah, um, any uh, you know to, to to you know even though I may on some evenings have four hundred people hanging off my every word in a wrestling ring, uh, she will not give a damn. Quite rightly so, <laughs> because it's meaningless at the end of the day, and it. I'm just another person in the room having fun, just like everybody else. Uh, yeah, amazing. Oh, well, this has been a pleasure, mate. It's been uh, been lovely to chat with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you at an attack show very soon, probably. Absolutely, it's been. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been really lovely speaking with you both. Right, so that was Jim Lee, and he's from Attack, and he wanted us to mention, as we had a little chat afterwards, that he's also doing ring announcing for Anarchy Pro, which is a great promotion based up in London. If you like the blood and the guts and the wah wah wah. So much depth that it's beautiful. Spike Treves, their champion. I've mentioned before, I like a bit of Spike. Now, the plan for this episode was to have a chat with Jim, um, send him on his way, and then me and Jess would do a top five like we normally do. Problem is, we had a chat for an hour and 20 minutes, and it was lovely, and I don't want to cut any of it out, so we're just going to leave it as is, which means... Yeah, if we did, it, if we did a top five now, the podcast would be about three hours and long. You lot and when we would be miserable. When we do a podcast, when we do a podcast that's like... An hour and a half long, people complain. As if, like, I didn't realise that two people didn't like too much content. It's like, what's the matter with you idiots? Like, just enjoy it. You don't have to listen to it all in one chunk. Just pause it. Pause it. Go to work. Have a wee or whatever you need to do. Then come back. It's fine. You can, but apparently people don't understand that. And as you say, the chat with Jim was great. So we're going to um, we're gonna leave it all in. Because it was all interesting and good. And we love him. Yeah, so for the first time ever... We're technically not doing a top five, which feels cool. Oh my god. But well, Jim did one. Jim did one, so it counts. But if you listen to the episode I did with Josh Bevan, we did a top five together of top five favourite Riptide moments, and it was interesting hearing his perspective of, from an owner's side of things, what he enjoyed best about Riptide, if that makes sense. So if you're desperate for a top five, there is one this week. It just doesn't include Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> he's heartbroken and also um we're we're trying to we're kind of keeping you guys as our, our kids at this point because we're gonna see which episode does better because obviously the riptide episode was very me heavy i.e no jesse at all and this episode was very jesse heavy because he did a wonderful job of taking the lead on that interview i took the lead on an interview for the first time in my life yeah, no no I'm... let's give jesse the credit here because i rarely would do this he booked an interview he does fuck all all day let's not forget that <laughs> He doesn't do anything in the podcast, and he actually booked an interview. Booked an interview? I was floored uh, when I got that text message from you. Yeah, right? I, so I booked an interview, and I just um, led, led the whole interview as well. I did some little notes for questions. I think I got some good answers out of him. I think I'm good. Thank you. I'm glad you're proud of me. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Keep it up. I'm only praising you so you'll actually continue to do work. I feel like if I scold you... Okay. not going to happen um, but yeah it was lovely having a chat with Jim as he said go if you're in the western area go check out um, an attack show because they are so much fun they really They're are awesome. so unique to what you'll see anywhere else in the country um, legitimately legitimately my favourite wrestling shows to go to yeah, like uh, ever if you just want to escape 
they're, they're the best thing. And also, if you want to kind of catch up or you can't get to a show, the video-on-demand service is not that expensive, and you're getting good quality wrestling, so definitely worth checking out. Um, it feels weird not to do a top five, so I'm just going to ask, are you, are you all right, Jesse? Are you okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm hot. Um, it's top five warm. moments of the day. Just can't help um, myself. I went to work. That was I played Pokemon Go on the bus and hatched a Snorlax out of an egg. That was exciting for me. That was a good moment. Um, uh, Crash Team Racing, which I bought off eBay, PlayStation One game arrived. That was a good moment at the time. I've since come home and realised that the disc is too scratched to work. Um, People will be heads will roll. uh, but at the time, I was very happy with that. Uh, that's two, and it um, did some more incredible solitaire work. Um, uh, got the I got a lift home. That was nice, and um, did an interview with Jim. That, that that is five good moments is, in my day. Not many people can pick one good moment out of a day, so I think that's uh, that's a testament. I'm a happy-go-lucky chap. You really are. And me and Jesse are, um, we might have a bit of Twitter silence this weekend. I'm going to try and promote these episodes, but me and Jesse are off on a romantic getaway together. We are. We're spending a weekend in the Forest of Dean. Yeah, with four (laughs) days, me and him. With other people. With no one else. (laughs) There are other people. Um, Just to sort of document it. (laughs) It's going to be me and Jesse in a hot tub. It's going to be wonderful just asking... Just general top fives. We're going to treat ourselves and not talk about wrestling top fives, but general top fives. It is the beautiful Bobby McGlade's birthday, so we are all... um, She's invited her nearest and dearest, which includes Max. Happy birthday, Bobby Happy birthday, Bobby. Bobby, who um, some of you might be interested to know, um, does some editing for the Calling Spots um, fanzine, magazine, which is very popular in the UK wrestling scene. And um, you might be seeing a little Got Till 5 advert in there next month. Who knows? Yeah, all 12,000 subscribers of you might be seeing... Can we put our faces in it? Uh, if so, you want to, but it won't look as good <laughs> See, um, as the King Kong Bundy. Oh, God, no, put it down. <laughs> We'll just put King Kong Bundy's face, his little That's potato just, face. Yeah, that would be lovely. King Kong Ted Bundy. King Kong uh, Ted Bundy. But yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, so yeah, happy birthday, Bobby. Uh, but that's where we all are this weekend, so that'll be nice. Yes. Um, so check out these two episodes. Um, obviously, this one is longer. And the Josh Bevan interview, as we've mentioned in the previous ones. Go check out the Riptide tournament that's happening next week. Dave Benson Phillips is going to be there. That's the selling <laughs> point. And um, also check out Attack on Demand to watch some fantastic wrestling. Um, thank you so much to Jim for having such a lovely chat with us. And thank you to Jesse for being you. Yes! And I'm going to look forward. It, it, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm tantalized <laughs> by the break. And we're going to do a top five when we come back. We will, and it will be absolutely lovely. And um, everyone, gotillfive.com! Oh yes, um, for any new followers, subscribers, listeners, whatever you are, please check us out at gotillfive.com and also at gotillfive on Twitter. Pretty much the only place we're active on. Um, also, the socials. Um, well, we need to write more articles as well. We we put articles, we put basically one article each, I think it was, on uh, gotillfive.com to fill out the website a bit. We haven't written any more, but we will, I promise, because yes, um, people seem to like them. Yeah, we'll definitely get ties there. Um, for all you Apple bum boys, iTunes, we're there. <laughs> leave a review, five stars. For you Android lot, there's Podcast Republic, but also Spotify now. Every every millennial's got Spotify, so search. Got do we still five. have? Do we still have to promote Podcast Republic as part no, of a deal? No, but they are actually a pretty good app for Android users. But mainly, did they Spotify. did they drop us? Do they hate us? I think they dropped us. Yeah. <laughs> 
don't ever, don't, don't download Podcast Republic. It's shit. <laughs> but if you're an Android user, it is pretty easy to use. Yeah, um, no, I'm just, I'm just bitter. You're bitter after you insulted them. So <laughs> yeah, Spotify, iTunes. Check us out on Twitter and the website, which is gotofive.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Jim. Thank you for everything. You guys are amazing. And we'll see you in two weeks' time for an actual top five. Just me and Jesse. No guests. We promise. Bye! Later days. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everyone to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast, the second one this week. I just did a episode on Wednesday talking to the owner of Riptide Wrestling, Josh Bevan, about the upcoming tournament, and we have another guest this week for our actual Top 5 episode. And joining us this week, we have Jim Lee from Attack. Hello Jim, how are you? 